0: You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. And everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about.
1: You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys
2: are coming in and immediately walking out the door, because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting, or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. As
3: we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now,
4: that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hey, hey,
3: I don't like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? Bunch of them did it again.
5: When in the SEC, Probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that?
3: Well, how about the fucking dog? <laughs>
5: <laughs> hey, buddy,
4: this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.
6: Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, brought to you by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you Big Tennessee Homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? You opened up a cold one. What you drinking this time, mm. cousin Shane? All right,
7: Mike. Here we are. I said I'm going to try some different stuff, so I go over to the grocery store, and uh, they let you get like a like a six pack thing, you know, and you, and there's all these like freestanding cans
2: mm-hmm. and it's
7: like, so you can load this bad boy up. So I just grabbed random cans, six of them. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep going through and trying and stuff something a little bit different. Right. This is called Yeehaw Dunkle. You ever heard Ooh. that? It's a green can. It's mm-hmm. a dark lager, 5.5 alcohol. Uh, it's canned right here in Johnson City, Tennessee. I think this is the one that Phil Formers behind. Okay. Uh, it says uh, 25 IBUs. Don't know what that means. World Beer Cup Bronze Award. So just like Phil, you know, we're not quite first place, but, you know, we're bronze. So <laughs> <you know. laughs> it's, it's a dark brew, man. I'll tell you what, it's it's got a little hit to it. I'll tell you that.
6: Yeah, no, that's great. I'm I'm glad you're broadening your horizons there. That's what I've have done myself, and never looked back, man. Once I have seen all the wonderful <laughs> beers that are out there, you know, I hey, if you hand me a silver bullet, that's all we got in the in the fridge. I'll kill 'em right there with you. But more often than not, I'm going with the more craftier type beers. And like I said, I've it's opened my horizons to uh, all the great beers that are out there.
7: Well, and I, I love it, you know, because we I've been getting a lot of messages on beers I need to try because I want to try some that are, like, team-specific or, you know, team-location-specific.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, you know, so this one, obviously, I had to start off with the Yeehaw because I'm a Tennessee boy, but uh, I, I am ready. I've got one in here uh, I saw it was from Athens, Georgia. I don't know if they're related to Georgia, but, damn, it's pretty close. You know what I'm saying? So right. I had a great time down there, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to kicking it back and uh we'll we'll just see how it goes man now i live in a small town so there's not a lot of variety you know so i'm gonna have to load up the wagon at some point and head to one of these bigger cities to, you know <laughs> to get some fancier brewskis but uh, I'll, I'll finally make it like it at some point uh, i will definitely try to get so if you got recommendations yeah shoot them at us we got a ton of them in our reviews that to, to try out so uh, i'm looking forward to trying some new alcohol mike Hey,
6: Will, speaking of trying something new, Shane, Cousin Shane nailed his lock <laughs> yeah, of the week, yeah. didn't he?
7: Yeah, buddy. I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous, man. I put my money, uh, for those that didn't catch it, on the Arkansas State game. Now, unfortunately, they lost. So I'm, I'm a little lost here with the the grim reaper of the picks. I don't know if it's. Because I, cause I picked Arkansas State. Now, they lost. So I have some Arkansas fans upset that I picked them. But gambling-wise, you know, I mean, I was doing the point spread, and I made it. So this is, I'm one no buddy. I, I I did some good picks. Uh, you you picked against Army. Whoa. <laughs> Don't get me started on that game, Mike. <laughs> yeah, for so anybody I, that
6: missed it, I believe Army won that game against MTSU 45 to nothing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> One inch at a time. Did you watch that game? No,
7: I actually didn't. Oh, dude, I mean, it was painful at times. I think uh, uh, somebody, I think Brett got on there and said it took, 25 actual minutes to complete that first drive or something, you know. So <laughs> Army was in no hurry, but they did get to 45. They drilled them, and I just love that college football's on TV, man. I ain't gonna lie. Even though it was Arkansas State Memphis, I was a little nervous, man. They're fumbling the ball. They're leaving Memphis guys wide open in the re- in the end zone. I was like, what the hell? But in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh baby, it's here. College football. I love it. I soaked it up. I won my first $100 bet, so 2020 is my year, Mike. Absolutely.
6: Well, we're only 18 days away from it, some SEC action. Mm-hmm. You ready to go around
2: the league, brother? Let's do it.
6: Now let's go now around the league. Around
2: the league. My, my daughters
0: said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald, so, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out.
7: look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times,
2: Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West.
3: Why why don't you start calling around and see if
0: you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us.
4: At Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm a press conference, okay?
6: Thank you. Alright, we gotta start with the big news out of Tennessee. We don't have any clips for this one or anything, but uh, you know, this kind of made national headlines here because Tennessee was supposed to scrimmage over the weekend. We got tons of scrimmages to get to, but we're gonna start here in Knoxville because Jeremy Pruitt announced that 44 players unable to practice over the weekend. And they only had 30-some-odd players to use on offense. And this is all because of the uh, coronavirus, obviously. Now, he did make it very clear. They only have about seven or eight positive tests. But the thing that really gets you, and this is something mm-hmm. we've been you know, talking about, you test positive for corona, you're out 10 days. Yeah. But if you're around someone that does potentially – you got to sit out for 14 because of the, the quarantine and they got to you know make sure you didn't get it. And if you did, then you, you got to be in isolation. So, I mean, my God, we're talking here, like I said, 18 days away and who yeah. knows how long these guys are going to be out, but you know, it's not the end of the world because basically Auburn had this same deal about a week ago and they're, they already scrimmaged over the weekend. So mm-hmm. it's not doom and gloom by any means, but I mean, this is the reality of this crazy season when we just don't know who's going to be available and who's getting reps right now. I mean, hell, this could, you know, I i don't believe Jared Garantano was any of these players, but I'm just using him as an example. Imagine he's out for two weeks here during camp. I mean, we don't even know if he's going to be the, able to start. And, I mean, that goes yeah. across the board here. You know what? Well, Mike, twofold. First off, the media freaking
7: love this, of course. You know, this was their baby. Made it all the way up to ESPN. They just couldn't wait to get this damn news out. <laughs> But that's the nature of the beast, but I did want to, I was curious, is this more a Knoxville thing? I mean the 10 day deal and is this is this area specific or are they only following guidelines or are they like uniformed across all SEC teams? you know uh, you, you're talking about
6: 10 days 14 days out and stuff like that right, right.
7: I'm just thinking that's
6: set by the SEC and okay. uh, even Auburn. They extended theirs to 17 days out. So, wow. some are a little bit even more stricter than these here at Tennessee. But, um, and yeah, so basically, these are standards being set by the SEC.
7: Yeah, it just seems like if you were positive, they'd isolate you
6: mm-hmm. and
7: then they would test you. And if you're not, I, I mean, I guess it's really nobody knows how this damn thing works. So, I, I guess this is what they're going to do. But, okay. So I'm a little discouraged by that just a little bit. But then on the other hand, I think we're throwing out all the record books here, Mike. I mean, 2020, whatever happens happens. Okay? There's going to be there there may be weeks that you're going to have a depleted roster, but you're still going to have a football team that can play. And I think when it gets to the end of the season, you've even made mention you think the winner's going to have two losses. It may be because of one of these – this type of situation where a player gets the virus and, and, you know, some others have to get isolated because of it. But, the the, the I mean, the joy of it is – I don't want to say joy because I'm not wishing any harm on any of the students or anything like that. But it's like everybody's going through the same thing. So – there may be a week that it may be a disadvantage for you, and it may make the team the teams a little bit more even. It may make the ball games better if some of these players aren't. It's just we're just appreciating the sport in twenty twenty. So we're throwing out the record books. Ever twenty twenty will always have an asterisk beside it forever so let's just enjoy the game let's enjoy and if and keep the kids safe and this this is what we got to do this is what we got to do uh it wouldn't surprise me if we don't have a couple you know forfeits later later this season i hate to say it but i mean this this was an eye-opener for me that it it could be feasible that they don't have a large enough roster to compete one
6: week Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm glad you said that because you know of course we're hoping and praying that no one gets you know seriously injured or anything and or you know sick and I've not heard of a single player being hospitalized Mm -hmm. I've not heard of a single player having this heart condition that everyone's afraid of they've said for anyone that missed it the NFL released you know they've done like 50,000 tests and everyone that has COVID they've not had a single heart issue so that issue may be overblown at the at this point but that doesn't mean it's You know, there's 0% chance that it can happen. But like you were saying there, I mean, I think this just makes this season more exciting because Mm -hmm. we don't know Alabama could get every single vote to win the SEC, but that don't mean it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and all the hype with Florida and Georgia, and I mean, who knows what's going to happen? So we're hoping that everyone is healthy and everyone gets to play every game, but we just don't know going into this one. So (laughs) it makes it to where – I think if you're a team like an Auburn, like a South Carolina, maybe a Mississippi State, I mean, go down the list, Tennessee included, no one may be saying at this point you're going to win the SEC, but that don't mean it's not going to happen in this particular mm-hmm. year because you might be the one <laughs> that gets lucky with all this corona stuff or or however uh, it works out, you know what? Absolutely, and that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking, Mark, you know, this –
7: This may even the playing field a few games, and uh, you hate to see it, but think about it. Your roster gets jumbled around, and and now you're going to get to see younger talent earlier because the red shirt, you know, they don't burn it this season, so you don't have to feel restricted. I, I truly believe that no coaches get fired at the end of the season. I know there's a lot on the hot seat. But it's just we're just in a make or break year. We know that we gotta have sports. We know and, and I think that it's gonna make for better ball games. And and like you said, I, I think they're learning as they're going. you know whatever happened at Tennessee to cause what 30 people to to thirty players to sit out? I I'm sure there's there's committees right now looking at this and saying, How could we have prevented this? What can we do to make sure that if we do have a positive, that it doesn't affect everybody, you know, whether it be practicing in smaller groups and maybe you know uh, it's a little harder when you got these scrimmages and stuff. So I just I don't know. I we're, we're definitely learning as we're going. Uh, this is big for Tennessee that it happened in the offseason. It didn't happen in a week that we're playing Georgia or Alabama. Thank God, you know. But uh, <laughs> it's 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 something that we're learning as we go. And and I, I'm not I. At first, it blew my mind. I was negative about it. But then, spin zone Shane, you know, I tried to stay positive. And the positive thing is they're doing everything possible to keep football going. And if that requires some of these kids getting to sit out because they were near somebody, then that's what we'll do.
6: Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's kick it on down to uh, Athens next, Shane. Oh, dogs, of- <laughs> <laughs> the Bulldogs, you know, the rest of these teams, they all did scrimmage. This weekend, so we got updates from around the league and uh, the Bulldogs. The defense dominated the scrimmage, and mm-hmm. obviously, this was uh, the first one without Jamie Newman. So there was got we got that big storyline here. And Kirby Smart talked about you know the fact that uh, he didn't really even want to talk about Jamie Newman. He knew the question <laughs> was coming, but he did talk about him a little bit and where that leaves the team with uh, J.T. Daniels and Dewan Mathis and Stetson and all these guys, Carson Beck. It certainly sounds like JT Daniels and Dewan Mathis right now, the lead dogs in that race to become the next starting quarterback here. But I don't know about you, Shane, but when I hear these comments, I'm a little, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but I think Kirby may have been fibbing a little bit here when he's talking about how mobile JT Daniels is because it certainly sounds like they like Mathis for his running ability. Yeah, And then here we got JT Daniels is limited. So I think now they're trying to figure out this is the issue with Jamie Newman, not even, you know, making it towards the end of fall camp. Georgia has to decide, do we want the guy that can throw it all over the yard or do we want the guy that can break defenses down with his legs? Yeah. That's what I'm getting from these comments. What about you? Yeah, I I, th- I kind of get
7: the same thing. It's like he's like at a crossroads and he doesn't know which way they want to move this offense, and it seems to me like he feels like his back's against the wall. Like he needs to make a decision soon, which we just discussed. You know, a couple of weeks away, we're going to have some football. So, but he wants whoever it is back there to be ready, definitely by week two. So sooner than later, you can't you can't afford to, you know, kind of pussyfoot around. Or next thing you know, uh, you're going to be flip-flopping quarterbacks halfway through the season and, and, and upset with the the situation. So, yeah, I think he's a little nervous and I could sense a little frustration. Uh, mm-hmm. He is not happy with the Newman deal at
6: all. I think Newman was the guy. Yeah, I think so too, without a doubt. I mean, we've heard so much. Now, like I said, I think JT Dale's got a higher ceiling and I think he's a, eventually will be go down as the much better college player, but I don't know. I just think they put so much stock into Jamie Newman and he was all that wasted time, man. All that waste and I, a lot of, of say, reps just lost, it, you know. Yeah,
7: I know. That's that's what that's what's eating him up inside was all those first team reps that he just he, he wasted. Um, uh, you know, and and who knows? Newman if Newman had a foot out the door a long time ago, you know, then I I hate that for for the staff for him taking this long. But, you know, that's the benefit of the opt-out. You're, you know, you, we can't be judgmental. But it, it just seems to me like, like Kirby was a little upset with the whole, the whole situation.
6: Well, let's kick it over to Kirby real quick here because I do have one thought that you know, we're not too down on Georgia here. But uh, I think it's kind of interesting or it's important to note this uh, on the tail end. So let's kick it over to Kirby.
3: Coach, uh, let me uh, just go ahead and get the Jamie Newman stuff out there. We didn't get to, uh, a lot of uh, details from you on that. just just Is wondering were released I, I was just going to ask you when you when, when the timeline I mean when you learned of his decision kind of and how that fell into your plans yeah it really irrelevant, not important at this point in time. Uh, we're moving forward and uh, we respect Jamie I respect. He's done a job. I uh, expect any kid that chooses to adopt out, but uh, he came and let me know on, on Tuesday. Um, it was a non practice day for us. It was actually the day that we went over to the uh, Hunter Holmes uh, Academic Center, and um, he let me know. And then um, I think he announced it on Wednesday. Kirby, uh... Do you expect JT to be
7: cleared? Like, what are the chances he gets cleared to play in the Arkansas game? And second part, what is Dwan Mathis? What did he gain
3: last year while he was going through his situation, and where is he right now? First one on JT, I am uh, under the assumption that's going to happen, but that is not my decision. Um, Obviously, that's the medical decision. and You know, he's cleared to practice, which for quarterbacks is unique because – been out there uh, getting hit every day. They're, they're non contact. Um, so, you know, we expect him to be cleared by the first game, but that's not a complete certainty. I know Ron feels confident that he's far enough post op and he's got enough strength um, in his leg to be in a good position to, to be able to play. Um, but that's going to boil down to uh, Ron and our doctors making that call. As far as Dewan, you know, the, the advantage that he got is that he got to go on the scout team a lot because once he was not medically cleared and if you remember he wasn't really cleared to do anything until past May so it was we were kind of in the dark on whether or not he was going to we had to go to like six NFL doctors to look at the scans and see the healing um, in his skull to be able to clear him and during that time of last season he was getting all the reps you know against the scout team which is really helpful because you get to feel the rush you know you got one of the best defenses in the country coming at you um, with a, you know, makeshift offensive line a lot of times on the scout team. And so you feel that pressure and you get to go in there and compete. He got to take a lot of reps uh, in regards to that, but um, he is in a little bit different system. So that, that, that's, you know, it's not like he's in the same system he was in last year.
2: Uh, yeah, coach. Um, I guess I just ask you, you know, what changes, I know last week you said that you, you had four, four or five guys and you had to cut it down. I mean, what, What changes now that Newman's moved on as far as your offense? And then I guess I just – I haven't heard much about the tight ends yet, McKitty and um, Washington. You shed some insight on them.
3: Yeah, not a lot changed in regards to the quarterback. Like I said, I mean, Jamie obviously wasn't there this week, and he was the last. Uh, So the reps went to – Really, three guys, and then Stetson in uh, the practices that weren't there. We, we, it's, it's not hard for us in practice to give four guys reps because we do what we call two spot. You know, we're able to get um, maybe the ones and threes or ones and freshmen, and then twos and fours work. Um, the quality of that work may not be equal because the quality of the, uh, the, the, the age and the experience of the players is imbalanced. But the quarterbacks get a lot of work in practice in a scrimmage. There's not but one quarterback on the field at a time. So that, that that make for less reps in a scrimmage for sure.
5: And um, hey, Coach, uh, you've been clear that uh, uh, Daniels is, is, is clear to practice, open to
8: practice. Um, I'm sure you're protecting all your quarterbacks from, from contact right now. In that regard, um, do you think you're getting a good read on, on his progress, a full read, and there, any, anything that um, he's not able to do that will make it more difficult for you right now in making this decision?
3: Yeah, I don't know that we're getting a full read ever. We're not getting a full read on any of them. I mean, you know, DeWan steps up to scramble today, and, and you're having to make a determination of did he get sacked or did he not. That's, that's really never fair. Um, and, and the only way to make it fair is to make it live. Um, and that's the tougher decision, and it's a decision that we've actually thought more about this year than we ever have before. Um, but both JT himself, Carson, uh, they have mobility. I mean, even JT's got some mobility with the knee brace on. Uh, but DeWan certainly is uh, – ahead of them in regards to that. So it's, it's, a, it's a hard measuring stick because you're trying to judge whether the guy was down or not down. Did he break the tackle? Did he not break the tackle? So, no, you're not getting a full exposure to what you would like. The only way you're going to get that is, A, scrimmage live, or, B, play a game. Um, and the, the game is next in line for us outside of some other practices to get better. Kirby,
5: Kirby, if I, I
6: understood – Regarding the quarterbacks, um, Obviously, there a lot of questions about this, but what do you need to see from those guys to for one to separate himself? Is there a common thread of something they all need to get better at so that they can kind of step up and be the I
3: mean, you want them to move the offense and score points. I know that's easier said than done, but, um, you know, there's a catch-22 here. If you're going to call plays designed for a certain quarterback, you know, and you've got certain styles that maybe, you know, Jamie, Carson, or Juan are all different quarterbacks, Right now we're trying to figure out what they can do. So to only call certain things that maybe fit Dewan or just fit Jamie or just fit Carson, that's not right. You're trying to, to find out what he can and can't do. Sometimes I don't know what you can't do until I call it to see if you can do it. Uh, and we're still, trying, we're still trying to figure out exactly what that is. We're in that stage instead of just being, okay, this guy has these plays, this guy has these plays. That's not ever good because we don't know what they can and can't do, and they don't get better unless they get to do them. So we're in a growth stage in regards to that. And the good news is we got a lot of work to do mentally um, in preparation to get ready for the first game, but also to get our offense kind of in sync and rhythm to be able to hit things in rhythm.
6: You know, one aspect of this thing where they're talking about splitting the reps and everything and going up against this dominant Georgia defense. Mm-hmm. Discussed it on the last show, Georgia's got all of a sudden a – really tough schedule to open with a new quarterback with a trip to Missouri. That defense is pretty good. Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky, and then Florida after that. But the, whoever wins a starting quarterback, and hell, even the backup, they're not going to face a better defense than the one they're seeing right now. So right. at least, you know, if you want to look at it that way, there's not going to be any better prep for getting ready for a season than going through this this unit right here in practice, the only issue for me is we're just under two weeks away. So, I mean, I think a decision basically has to be made here in about a week. Yeah. Do you think,
7: let me ask you, Mike, how close do you think this quarterback, this quarterback controversy is right now? Do you, I mean, do you think it's more that JT's, JT may not get cleared or do you think it's actually DeWan is really making a push cuz I'm I'm reading a lot of stuff that says that Mathis is the guy that uh, you know a lot of people are thinking JT you know had a chance but because of his injury and stuff that Mathis has a has, has a shot of uh, taking over that quarterback
6: room uh well, how close do you think this battle is you know I think it's 100% if JT Davis was ready to go, he'd be the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. But that adds to the issue because we don't know, you know, if, if he's going to be 100% by September 26th. Yep. So how much reps do we give him? And that's not to Barry Mathis, but I don't know. I'm just not really buying that kid's hype. I mean, he's never played any significant moments here. And, uh, yes, he was a touted recruit. And, you know, I'm rooting for the kid given his story with the, with the brain – injury and, and all that the surgery he mm-hmm. had and uh, thank god georgia has got a hell of a medical staff that identified that issue right away and you know in some sense it's a miracle that he's just back do back to 100 percent now so right i'm rooting for him but no jt daniels is the is the future here and maybe that's what we're talking about with the lost reps if you're giving them to mathis now i mean i think you're kind of potentially limiting how good this Georgia team can be because you're not giving JT Daniels the reps, but right. that's where that fine line is. Cause if he can't go hundred <laughs> percent, what's the point of giving him the reps? So, I mean, this <laughs> is almost like a nightmare situation here because I think they, they had it situated where Jamie Newman could be your starter for the first month, month and a half. And if he falters, that would yeah. have just given JT Daniels that much more time to get in, in his shape.
7: And it's every position, Mike. It's absolutely every. Your your offensive line has, you know that they know they got to hold so long. But if you got Mathis back there that's scrambling around and trying to do something with his legs, it it just changes how you how you do things up front. And, And then same thing with the receivers and the running backs. It's the it's when you have two totally different quarterbacks. You know, these guys got to prepare for two totally different offenses. And it's hard if if they are jumbling back and forth. And so I don't know if, again, like you said, they're battling with just how healthy JT is going to be uh, or, or they're preparing with Matt. It's just it's 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 a mess. It's definitely a mess. But. For a team like the Georgia Bulldogs that are so damn deep, so good on defense, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. But it's a ship they have to be, have right going into
6: week two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, let's skip on down to Auburn.
8: Get ready, Toomer's Corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48, Alabama 45.
6: With the Tigers, they held a scrimmage over the weekend. And uh, great news shared by Gus Malzahn zero covid positives two tests in a row and you know just like tennessee well unlike tennessee but uh, they were affected quite a bit like tennessee they had to shut practice down at one point last week tennessee never they didn't have to shut down practice so that's a key difference there but you know i think it's a good example that uh, you can go from a tenuous situation to getting it solved pretty quick so that's great news and they had no injuries in the scrimmage another great news there for auburn but they did lose some depth here because Coyness Miller, projected starter on that defensive line, he left the program, and Gus, you know, typical when a guy leaves, mm-hmm. Gus, he he don't want to talk about him. He's gone. We wish him well. I mean, he he wishes everybody well. That that's the you could you mm-hmm. don't even have to ask him. You know, he, that's what he's gonna yeah. say. But in addition to that, I mean, it sounds like Bo Nix is really coming along in this Auburn offense. So you gotta like that. The young running backs. We've been talking up Tank. Sounds like he's making a, a big push here as, along with uh, Mark Anthony Richards here and a ton of great things about the redshirt freshman down there mm-hmm. on Auburn. And then uh, Gus also talks about the the building of the depth there on the offense and defensive line because, you know, that's a unit that uh, – well, both both units turned over a lot this offseason. So, Gus sounds pretty fired up about where those units are. So, let's kick it over to Gus real quick.
3: Hi, Coach. Thank you again for speaking to us. Um Just want to ask you about Bo Nix, how he performed today, and also um, how would you gauge sort of his progress from a year ago to now?
0: Well, well, first of all, a year ago to now is completely different. Um, He's got a lot better understanding of not only defenses but the college game and you know everything that goes with it and you can tell he's more confident you know from offensive standpoint not just bow but the rest of our offense there has been an acceleration of install so we've been installed a whole lot faster than we normally would but uh i think he's got a good grasp of uh what coach morse uh is asking and um you know we weren't able to go through spring and Like I said, this was just the 10th practice. And so those guys are still, uh, you know, getting used to each other. And one thing too, that we're doing a little bit different we have in the past is the guys are moving around a lot different in in different uh, places on the field and all that. And so uh, they're just in the process of uh, getting their timing down. And you can see each practice, um, you know, that getting better. Yes,
1: uh, you mentioned uh... Phoenix's grasp of the offense. Talking to players yesterday, Nick and Anthony both said they've seen him grow a lot um, in terms of his confidence as a leader, having more energy. What have you seen from him in those areas of the game?
0: You know, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, just more, he's a lot more vocal than he was at any time last year, um, you know, and uh, he's really trying to lead. Um, You know, last year, he's a true freshman. We had a lot of veteran guys offensively and defensively. And this year, um, you know, we don't have as many veteran guys. And so not only from a quarterback standpoint, but also a team leadership standpoint, uh, you know, he's trying to, you know, use his influence that way too. Uh,
6: Gus, question about Connus Miller, just his status with the team?
0: Yeah, Connus is no longer with us. um, and, And we wish him nothing but the best.
6: Affect things at defensive tackle. Obviously, it was somebody you were, you were going to be relying on to some degree. Talk about your
3: depth. Well,
0: you know, we really feel like uh, you know we we've, we've got a bunch of young guys and inexperienced guys that you know are getting a chance to to do their thing and show what they can do. And I will tell you about the new group that come in, they're, they're, they're talented and uh, getting a lot of reps in practice. And, you know, you know, Rodney likes to play 10 guys a game anyway. And so we'll be rotating, but, um, you know, we feel good about where we're at and, uh, you know, with the, with the guys we got. We still got good numbers.
2: Hey, Coach. I uh, was hoping you could speak to uh, the development of Austin Troxel and You've already talked a little bit about the O-line, but you feel good about the depth at both O-line and D-line?
0: Yeah, we, we do. And, and that's been an emphasis, uh, you know, the first 10 practices develop depth on both sides of the football. Um, there's been some really good competition. Uh, you know, we're trying to be more physical than we have any fall camp, you know, just by the live reps about just going good on good with inside and half line. and team run and, and a lot of hookups too and so just getting these guys experience on the run and uh, really at an accelerated pace but i will say this we, we've got a lot of good options uh, on both sides of the football and it's just a matter of coming together and that's why we're out there practicing and like i said the good thing is we got 15 more before we play our first game
2: and uh, austin Troxel. Yeah,
0: yeah, Austin's a guy that, uh, you know, he's got game experience. Matter of fact, he's got some big game experience, and he's just getting back to, you know, trusting that knee, and, you know, every day, you know, you can see that uh, he's more and more confident with it.
5: Yeah, can you talk about the uh, young running backs, Mark, Anthony Richards, and Tank, Bigsby, how they're doing, and big picture with the uh, running backs as a group, or what are you seeing from them?
0: Yeah, first of all, those first two, uh, I will tell you this, both of them have – Playmaking ability um, and they can they can create big plays. We've seen that uh, throughout practice. Both those guys can catch the ball at the backfield, which, you know, that's been one of Chad's Emphasis, you know, get the ball more in the passing game to our running backs, which I you know told you earlier There's an 80 yard touchdown reception for Shivers um, So those two guys are getting experience. They're learning every day and uh you know just the overall running back room, I think Cadillac is really impressed um, you know with the group as a whole with just uh, you know their attitude, their work ethic. Um, right now he's rotating a lot of them. I know Shivers has, has, has went, went with the ones DJ has went with the ones um, quite a bit too, but he likes the overall depth uh, that he has in the room.
6: All right Shane. so I think this is basically what you want to be hearing. You know, when you're talking about Bo Nix here, he's got to become more of a vocal leader. The the offense has got to be, you know, we know it's Chad Morris's offense, but Bo Nix has got to be like that field general. Whereas last year, you know, I go back and watch these games, and Gus is having to, I don't want to say hold his hand, but I mean he's basically got to run him through every little thing, and a lot of looking over to the sidelines and all this and. I don't know. I think we gotta we've gotta see that next step from Bo Nix. I've been saying it all off season, and I know this is just talk, but at least there at Auburn, it's. I get the sense that that's what that's what they're getting out of Bo Nix right now. Mike, are we sleeping on the Auburn Tigers? I've been thinking about this
7: a lot lately, and you know, you sent me these clips earlier, and I was listening to confidence of Gus, and I don't know if I'm just buying into the snake oil or if, or do they have something here. <laughs> I mean, I'm convinced that Bo Nix is extremely better than he was last year. I mean, a significant better. So if if that's the case, just think about how great this offense will be with those receivers and this running back crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we talked up the defense last year. I really, I still, I, even though they lost a lot of talent to the to the NFL, I still think this 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 defense doesn't fall back as much as people are expecting. Is is Auburn the dark horse? Are are they are they
6: the LSU of last year? I mean, possibly, because that was, I mean, we're saying it's kind of the similar things about LSU last year. You know, the reworked offensive line, mm-hmm. that was a big issue. You know, they haven't been able to solve the quarterback. You know, there was plenty of people. Hell, it was even Jordan, Jordan Rodgers for, I know LSU fans haven't forgot, but, I mean, right before the season started, basically said, "Well, Joe Burrow can't play." I've I've seen it. You know, he's got nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're hearing the same things about Bo Nix. So, you know, you might be onto something there. And it's still for me. That's kind of why I wanted to include these comments about the offensive defensive line because I think that's what's going to determine the fate of the Auburn Tigers this year. And losing it's a guy just... like Coyness Miller is not going to help that. You know. But but he again he's quick to put how much
7: depth they have like the I mean just think about the luxury of being able to rotate ten defensive linemen in I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's just how deep I mean you look at these recruiting classes they're loaded with talent the, you know a lot of young talent but they still got plenty of it around there uh, I, I think they got a, one of the best linebackers in the crew in the in the country uh, with Popo yeah I, I think I don't know I. The more, the, the more I'm listening, and even the Chad Morse, and I know a lot of Arkansas fans may want to turn this off, but I'm telling you right now, Chad Morse was one of the best hires that Coach Malzon could have done because now it releases him from the offense. And it sounds to me the more clippings I'm hearing is that this legitimately is Coach Morse's baby. And that gives Malzahn more opportunity to be diligent around the entire team, not just the offense, but the defense side of the ball. I just – I don't know. I'm buying in. I'm buying into this this little hype. You think about it last year, what, they lose two games? Is that it? I mean, think about it. They lost to – who did they lose to last year, Mike? They lost to uh, Florida, LSU. And LSU. They lost
6: to Florida. And Georgia. Oh, shit, they did lose to Georgia. The, most of those games. I mean, the Florida game was – I don't want to call it Florida was lops- early. Yeah. It, I, it, I don't want to yeah. even say it was lopsided. It was a 11-point game. But, hell, they, they were the closest to beating LSU – Mm -hmm. and they were losing most of the game against Georgia, but they had a late rally, only lost by seven. So, yeah, I mean, they played with the best of the best last year, no doubt about it. Yeah, so I'm just – I don't know. I don't think they're getting enough respect. And don't forget, I mean, clearly Auburn fans know this, but Bo Nix was a five-star quarterback, one of the top prospects in the nation. Mm -hmm. I don't think he necessarily displayed that last year, but I didn't see any – I get just so confused when people say he sucks. I mean. <laughs> Imagine walking in day 1 true freshman and winning the job and he exactly. did win he won SEC freshman of the year. I don't necessarily think he deserved that, but he wasn't far off from it. I mean, I, he probably would have been second or third for me. So, yeah, if he if he takes that step, Auburn's going to be right there all year long without a doubt. And I think he
7: can be progressive. You, you I mean, you saw it from the Florida game just how rattled he got down there at the swamp to when he was playing Alabama, it was not day. So if he could progress that much during the season, imagine what he did the whole off season. So,
6: yeah, I think, uh, I think a lot of people sleep on them tigers. We've been talking and talking up the receivers, been praising the freshman running backs. And then I'm also high on DJ Williams running back. And then Mm -hmm. health here, Sean Shivers, the other running back scored an 80 yard touchdown in the scrimmage. Exactly. Gus called it the highlight of the scrimmage. So, I mean, they are just loaded with weapons right now. And that, if you want to make the comparison to LSU, that, there's your comparison right there.
7: Speed, man. Auburn is going to be a fast freaking team, buddy. Mm-hmm. They got the fastest player in the country. Absolutely. And speed, flash, schwartz. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> Morris probably has a whole, like a third of the playbook better involve him or he's fired, Mike. He's fired. Because if
6: I'm the coordinator down there, I'm making ways to get Schwartz the ball. Let's remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sportsbook. New customers receive a hundred percent deposit match up to a thousand dollars over at mybookie.ag by using the promo code that S-E-C. That's T-H-A-T-S-E-C. All new users over at mybookie.ag, they'll match. Your initial deposit up to a thousand dollars. You could start with two thousand dollars immediately. Bet on some of this college football action, NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC. They got it all over at MyBookie. And hell, we've seen that already. Shane's on a heater, one and yeah. no, baby. I mean, yeah. he's about matched yeah, his yeah, win baby. total in the first week of the season. <laughs> so head on over to MyBookie.ag. Sign up once again. That promo code is that SEC over at MyBookie.ag. Winning season begins today, only at my bookie. All right, Shane, let's kick it all down to Lexington next. Mark Stoops and his troops, I mean, they've got a lot of confidence going into this season, and uh, one a, lot, issue a lot of though- excitement,
7: Mark. A lot of excitement <laughs> coming on this one.
6: <laughs> if you're listening to this
7: early in the morning, you're hungover from this wild weekend. You may want to take another shot of coffee because Mark isn't holding back.
6: <laughs> no, and one of the better clips he had, he was talking about the kicking game, which, uh, you know, we don't talk a lot of kicking, obviously, but that was an issue for the, for the Wildcats last year. So, I mean, that's, that's, I why I wa- that's why I wanted to use this clip because it sounds like they've got that resolved. He's talked about the leadership of Kentucky's roster. And then on, uh, you know, on the respect he's been getting in these, you know, national polls, coach, you know, coach rankings. He's in all the top 25 rankings. Hell, it was a couple of years ago they were ready to run his ass out of Lexington. Yeah. So let's uh, let's kick it over to Mark Stoops where he'll uh, ease you into a nap here. Hey, Mark, I'm
1: curious about, uh,
2: you know, through a few scrimmages, how the kicking game is, is coming along for you and what you've seen out of those guys.
1: Uh, yeah, Ruff um, <clears throat> hit uh, five or six today and, um, you know, really did a nice job. And Max is, is Max. Uh, he was, you know, very effective and uh, hit, hit some really nice punts. We worked on some, backed up today on the one coming out and uh, really hit a nice one to flip the field and did some good things like he always does. Uh, but Ruff uh, actually missed I – I think it was his first field of the day and um, and then then hit five straight his last one was 51 or 52 yards and it was it was solid it was right down right down the middle there and a long one Uh, so uh, that was good to see
3: coach when the uh, workouts began during the pandemic you talked about trying to maintain the protocols that you need to be safe and
4: you talked about needing leadership
3: from your veteran players in more than just your usual way. How would you describe the leadership you've gotten from your veteran players in, in such an unusual time?
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's a good, good point and good question and, and something we constantly work on. And uh, thank goodness, as, as you know, I've been grinding that up hard and working on that very, you know, put a lot of time and effort into that for years. And uh, it's very important on a year like uh, this year. And uh, that was one of the uh, talking points after practice today was uh, to continue uh, to grow and to have the leaders lead because, uh, you know, just certain things like, you know, just team bonding and spending time. I can't get the whole team in a meeting room. We do Zooms and they're they're in breakout rooms. So their coaches are in there, and there and there's some communication going on that way. But it's very difficult for me not to be able to spend that time that I normally would in a team meeting, and individually with the players, just being around each other more, spending time, and and uh, growing and grow. You know, continuing to build those personal relationships that are, that are so important. You know, if you if you go back to last year and early in the years and the struggles we had, and um, you know. I remember going into a staff meeting and, and really, uh, you know, putting a lot of emphasis back on the the team and, and the, the the behaviors and the relationships. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly helped us down the stretch and, and right now, not being able to do a lot of the things that we normally do, uh, with the continuity and the team building and, and the relationships with our players, um, you know, there, there, there has to be some awareness to that. And that's what I brought attention to the to the leaders and to the team uh, to make a conscious effort uh, to to extend themselves to teammates and people that they wouldn't normally do and uh, spend time with each other because it's hard to get in big groups. So it's a great question. It's a great point. And I think it's going to be important uh, to football teams uh, throughout this year. Mark, a lot of these national publications have been putting out these rankings of college football coaches, and you're moving up that leaderboard, and I know from a personal standpoint you don't pay much attention to those, but it is important in recruiting, so I was hoping you could just comment on your thoughts on your positioning in some of those rankings. Um, You know, John, you, you want your program to be recognized for the growth that you have and the improvements uh, that you've made, you know, over the years. And, and really that's, what's important is just, uh, you know, the brand and, and the national recognition of your program, not so much individually. Um, it's just like the, the preseason rankings and things. If we listened to that, we wouldn't have done the things we've been doing. So we're really concentrated on ourselves and, you know, constantly trying to grow the program. And, and certainly some of that helps, uh, again, from a program standpoint, uh, the individual things, um, really don't put any, any stock in that whatsoever. I just continue to try to do, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to put my head down go to work and, and, and grow this program and get better each and every day. And that really is the, the mentality without being too much of a cliche, but, uh, it's, uh, bring the lunch pail, go to work, get the program better. And, and, uh, You know, because if you're down and out, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. And uh, things are going good. You better keep things in check and constantly try to improve. So we always try to keep an even kill perspective around here.
6: Hey, And right as we're recording this too, Shane, I wanted to give a little update. This is some breaking news here. So it's not official, but uh, apparently Mark Stoops has said that uh, they expect to hear news on Joey Gatewood soon. And the expectation is he's going to be cleared. Now, again, that's not a he's not officially been cleared. But, but Stoops, he's a quarterback. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Decision expected soon. So more good news could be coming to Kentucky for that week one matchup against Auburn. But, uh, hey, man, this is just more of what we've been saying all, all offseason. For those that yeah. have been paying attention, Kentucky is on a roll here heading into the year and – it seems like there's a lot of quiet confidence in Lexington. Kentucky Wildcats are a winning program. They have been
7: for several years now. And I think not only the fans catching on, but now the entire SEC is catching on. And we're starting to see these lists come out. And we're starting to see the coaches get poached. They they tried to do it last season. And -hmm. don't think if Kentucky has a great year this year, they won't do it again next season. Let me ask you, Mike. Because yes, I st- I'm starting to think Kentucky's starting to take their football team serious. It mm-hmm. took them a while. It's always been a basketball school. It felt like they could do anything and everything they want. But lately, it does feel like the athletics department is really buying into Coach. You could see it with the contract they gave him. Do you think a winning program? If I mean, if they pull out six, seven, eight wins this year, not saying that's going to happen, but if they have a great season. Is Coach Stoops in Kentucky next year or – I mean, because it feels to me like he's teetering. Like this could be a I'm going to be in Kentucky the rest of my life job or it feels like it still could in the back of my mind. And, and you know, Wildcat fans may want to turn this off, but is <laughs> is it, it also feels a little bit like a stepping stone. So, I mean, we saw it with the Florida State buzz last year. Is this – if they have a great season, is, is Mark – Let me ask you,
6: is Mark a coach at Kentucky in five years? I would lean towards yes, but the only thing that makes me hesitant is if a program comes along that is consistently in the national championship hunt Mm -hmm. and they offer him. Because outside of that, and I'm not, I don't know, I just don't know if Kentucky is ever going to be a national title contender.
4: Mm-hmm. But
6: hell, I and maybe I should say, you know, consistently. Maybe that's the the proper way to say that because hell they they basically were two years ago. Right. And they look to have a really good team here. You win the SEC, you're gonna be in the college football playoffs. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not saying Kentucky can't get there, but can they consistently do it with Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, Missouri? I'm not gonna mention Vanderbilt, but <laughs>
1: The rest of those teams
6: in that division, can they consistently do it? I don't know. But, you know, here's the thing. Kentucky has given him, I think, the greatest contract in college football, the entire Mm -hmm. country. I mean, he's not the highest paid guy, but he's in the top 20. He's got a contract that if he wins seven games, his contract automatically gets an extension. If he wins 10 games, he automatically gets a two-year extension. I mean, what's sweeter than that? They've built up the facilities for him Mm they they've they've added a commitment to uh just keeping his staff in place and when we just saw that with Vince Morrow I mean seems like every damn offseason people trying to hire a coach and and they step up to the plate and they deliver they meet the salary demands whatever they are so I think it would take a lot I mean I'm talking you know Nick Saban retires and then and they call Mark Stoops I think that's I think he's got to take that. You know what I mean? But so so you think it's got, sort bit... of, it's got to be something that yeah. he can win a national championship and maybe win multiple national championships? Because why else are you leaving Kentucky? I mean, like I said, he's already a top twenty paid coach. Yeah, but uh, what? There's not a whole lot better jobs he can do right now, is there? No, I agree. I agree. And
7: uh, I just, I don't know. I'm just playing a little devil's advocate here. I just think that it. I don't know. The, the the buzz was picking up at the end of last year. It's already picking up the start of this season. Me and you have both been on record saying we think Kentucky's going to have a fantastic season. And opposite of the hot seat, man, it's always the talk about the next job. And I just wondering, is uh, if, is is this a forever home, or do they make a a larger commitment? I know it's hard to do with the one year, two year thing, but. Uh, who's to say they don't make them a top fifteen or a top, you know, ten coach? I don't know what they plan mm-hmm. on doing, but the more commitment they they show to Coach Stoops, I think the the larger commitment that these recruits are going to have coming to to Lexington to play football, and you're starting to see it with the recruiting classes. So. Uh, they're definitely going in the right direction i just i feel like something's gonna go get to a head here and Mm -hmm. they're either gonna have to go all in or or move on because i i really just i
6: do think he's one of the better coaches
7: in the country
5: Mm -hmm.
6: and that's the beauty of college football i mean you stay long enough they build statue of you they name the stadium (laughs) after you so that's right he could potentially have a long-lasting legacy there in lexington all right, well, uh, speaking of having a legacy, let's jump on down to Starkville. Where Mississippi State had a scrimmage over the weekend, and uh, Coach Leach, damn near every question he got was on the <laughs> quarterbacks and mm-hmm. what's all going on with that. So uh, Coach gives his thoughts on all that and the and the scrimmage standouts from down there. And it certainly sounds to me, you know, we like to have fun with Mike Leach, but it does sound to me like maybe he doesn't know everyone's name yet. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that goes thinking. to... What uh coach Lane Giffen was talking about, this guy's on the beach half the time. But uh, you know, when asked for standouts, he'll he'll name a position or a position group or something like that. So I just think it was funny. But I uh, kinda like I hinted at last week during the uh the freshman, I put the quarterback Will Rogers on there. Garrett Schrader, it sounds like is running third with the quarterbacks, as I you know, tried to tell you guys that's what was going on. But uh, let's kick it over to Mike Leach who talks about the scrimmage, the latest scrimmage here at
4: Mississippi State.
3: Well, Coach, on Thursday you said you were looking to see some separation from your quarterbacks.
2: Did you, did you get some of that today?
4: Uh, I thought K.J. had a really good day today. I thought uh, uh, Will did an admirable job as far as uh, a lot of times a freshman goes out there, first scrimmage, they'll flinch a little, but he came out of it fast. I thought he did some good things, and, uh, uh, and that, you know, I thought uh, – you know the others I thought were competitive. You know they can line up and uh, and play to a point. I thought those those two had the best scrimmage.
7: You may get tired of talking about them, Coach, but we ask you about quarterbacks all the time. I I know that you said that KJ has kind of been a little bit ahead. I've I heard you say that a couple of times now. When when do you think you uh, whether it's to them or maybe even to to us in the media? When, when do you think you would. uh, maybe have that narrowed down and, and have a
1: starter? Could it possibly be game week or maybe before?
4: Uh, I think it'll be before. I think it'll be before. I don't expect it to be tomorrow, but I, I think it'll be before game week. I, and I don't know that it'll be next week either.
7: Yeah, Mike, based on what you've been saying and everything we've heard, it sounds like it's between KJ and Will following up to on Joel's question. Uh, is that what it's down to, or is it still kind of open between all three or four of those guys?
4: Uh, still kind of open, but less open than it was.
1: Coach, you've known KJ Costello as a, as a competitor and an opponent and then as a recruit. Now that you have him under your supervision, uh, what are your thoughts about him and what do you think he does well and perhaps what does he need to work on?
4: Well, I think everybody's a work in progress. I think all of us as coaches are works in progress, starting with me. Uh, so KJ, I think, is as well. Uh, I think his, his strengths are, um, <clears throat> you know, he's a student of the game. I think uh, the other thing is, is he's the same guy every snap. He's not a guy that gets rattled. Uh, and so then I think that creates a level of stability with the offense. Uh, he's accurate. He can throw it a long ways downfield. Um, I think sometimes, uh, you know, he gets big arm guy disease, which is, uh, uh, you know, I mean, cause we want these guys to run with it after they catch it and, uh, he'll gas that sucker in there. And yeah, you could say, oh yeah, the guy should have catch caught it. He shouldn't have bobbled it or whatever, but you know, there's a difference. You had an extra 10 miles an hour on that sucker. And then, you know, the guy's hanging on for his life to catch it. and ain't going to run full with it. So, um. Uh, a little more touch at times, maybe, but uh, um, footwork. I mean, you, uh, what do I want him to improve on? Everything. But he certainly has a lot of strengths, and he certainly has um, more strengths and weaknesses that put him above uh, most people in the country.
1: Up next, we'll go to Paul Jones.
4: Coach, on
3: the other side of the ball, how did uh, the secondary fare today against your offense?
4: I think it was mixed. I thought, uh, one thing I was impressed with is, uh, how well we open field tackled. I thought we did a good job of tackling a lot of times at this point, you don't tackle as well as you want. Now I haven't seen the film, so I don't know as far as, you know, um, what defensively our thoughts are as far as the guy being in position, but I thought they tackled well. Um, <clears throat> and then I thought, but I also thought our receivers at times had, uh, did a good job getting separation and, uh, and making some plays. I thought it was a very productive scrimmage. I would have to categorize it as uh, uh, cautiously optimistic, a little better than I thought it may be. Up next, we'll go to Joel Coleman.
6: Coach, were there any players in particular uh, that, that stood out that you could call by name
7: that, that kind of had a, a really good scrimmage and, and you were just really impressed with what they did today?
4: Uh. You know, I don't have the exact guys. I thought the defensive line did a good job getting pushed. They played the run really well. Um, and then, you know, uh, some of the key plays, uh, whether it be third down or fourth down, we traded blows. Had some big plays offensively there. Uh, had some big plays defensively there. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the <clears throat> the most positive thing is, is I thought uh, – We played together as as units, uh, you know, when you consider uh, where we're at in the course of things.
1: Coach, there always seems to be somebody that elevates their game in a scrimmage-type setting. Did you have any gamers today or anybody that perhaps surprised you?
4: I think some of those guys on the first O-line did. Um, And I think, uh, um, and I can't pinpoint it, but I thought the secondary flowed to the ball well um and it was a a scrimmage what was positive about it and also why it's hard to say is and this is the most uh positive thing is everything was contested I mean all sides uh uh, both offense and defense have plenty to be pissed about and that's usually pretty good news for a competitive team as long as it's not uh you know uh, some slop fest and it was not uh there were some well executed things out there and uh And there were a lot of plays that uh, either side uh, won by, you know, just a couple inches. And so um, the competitiveness I I was uh, very pleased with.
6: All right, Shane. So to me, you know, I'll just go ahead and call this one. I I think I do pretty well with these quarterback competitions, at least I did last year. K.J. Costello is going to win this thing. I think – I don't even know why they haven't announced it yet. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they're just delaying, I guess, just to make sure that, uh, you know, you keep the competition going. Coach Leach is big on that. But Will Rogers sounds like he's going to make an impact for this football team at some point, like I said. But, you know, it sounds like he's pretty fired up about uh, just the level of competition down there at Mississippi State in his first training camp, don't you think? Yeah, I love
7: it, man. He clearly doesn't know anybody past those two quarterbacks. So, <laughs> uh, what's that hey, big guy? Yeah, the guy with the visor. Yeah, come over here. I just, I don't know. He's like me, man. I'm, I'm the worst at names. That's why I create nicknames for people. So, <laughs> if I see it, she's like buddy or pal or brother. You know, it's just whatever. I, I've, i got all these nicknames for him. So uh, I'm just terrible at names. So I, I, I don't blame you, Coach Leach. What matters is we do want to know who the quarterback is. And I think you're <laughs> right. I think it is KJ. And uh, I think it's interesting just how quick Will's moved up the list. So that's that's a positive. I mean, if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I'm thinking, hell yeah, man. This is the guy that we want to be the quarterback. And now he's not going to be rushed into it. And who knows, later in the season, wouldn't surprise me if you start seeing Will on the field a little bit more.
6: Yeah, and I think this also speaks to the fact that Mike Leach, as if we need this needed to be said, he knows what he's doing when it comes to identifying quarterbacks. He saw this guy when he was at Washington State, couldn't get him to leave the state of Mississippi because obviously Mississippi State offer was there. You're going to play in the SEC over playing in the Washington State any day mm-hmm. of the week. But now he gets to coach this kid. And, you know, this is kind of what Gardner Minshew told us, Shane. Yeah. You know, this is – a a simplistic offense not to say it's overly simple i mean there's a reason they throw for a thousand yards every game i mean <laughs> they know how to use matchups to their advantages but he knows how to relay it to these quarterbacks get them up to speed quickly and i think this is just the, the first of a long line of mike leach signees that are going to come in and and be ready to play and even be ready to play year one if need be and uh it, like you said i'm I'm pretty fired up if I'm a Mississippi State fan. I know Garrett Schrader's a popular guy here, and and this doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of his time there or anything, but, uh, hell, if anything, it tells you that you got three quality quarterbacks on this roster. Yeah, well, think about it, Mike. You know, when you were playing the NCAA and you're
7: going pop line, trying to get this recruit, you couldn't get him, and he went to some other school, and then you get – you're like, well – Maybe I should just go to that school again. <laughs> I, so I, I I know exactly what I got in the quarterback here. So, I don't know. I just – I love that. When you got a guy that is a quarterback whisperer and he, you already have somebody on that team that he's been wanting to have at his school, I, I just – I think that just speaks volumes, and now you see, man, he's already at the, the second spot and pushing KJ for a starting spot. So that's that's the kind of buzz you want to you want to get out of fall camp or uh, you know camp here.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: All right, let's skip it on down to Fayetteville next, Woo-peak. where the Arkansas Razorbacks also had a scrimmage this weekend, and uh, Sam Pittman recapped it here with the media. It's, it certainly sounds like the defense won the day here, and. I think that's probably, you know, these head coaches always sound conflicted when they're sharing these news because if somebody wins it, that means the other side lost it. But I think that's kind of where you'd want to be if you're Arkansas because it sounds like the offense was the star of the first scrimmage. Now we got mm-hmm. the defense kind of coming back. The second one, maybe a little bit more balance. But uh, Sam Pittman sounded a little disappointed in his quarterbacks. Uh, but I really liked his comments here on basically the uh, – the losing mentality he's seeing less and less of it each day i think that's huge for the razorbacks and then i've tried to comment on this during the offseason but you know as bad as arkansas has been in the past couple of years it's been their special teams that is the worst unit of them all and i thought sam pitman you know it's not going to be corrected overnight by any means but when you land a coordinator, special teams coordinator, like a Scott Fountain, that's going to put you on the path in the right direction. They landed the graduate transfer kicker. I believe his name is Reed from Duke. So that's going to go a long way to solving it overnight. But, uh, so Sam Pittman kind of does a deep dive on uh, that decision to hire Scott Fountain. And I think just these comments alone, let you know, he's probably a better coach than Chad Morris already.
5: Yeah, coach uh, Kyle told us that there were three interceptions, uh, do you know who, which quarterbacks threw them, and how did the quarterbacks uh, look in general? Uh, not good. I mean, we didn't look good today. Uh, we didn't make good decisions. Uh, we have to get better there. We have to play with more confidence. We have to protect them better. Uh, uh, but um, from a week ago to this week, it just uh, it, it was not acceptable play by that position, and they know it, and, and uh, certainly we'll get better. I had a more of a big picture question. Um, Given the totality of
7: everything that's gone on since you've gotten this head coaching job and the fact you're going into a season where there might be some unknowns and stuff, how do you, how do you feel about where you guys are and like where you're headed?
5: I'm proud of our kids, you know, I'm proud of the quarterbacks too. I want them to play better and so do they. Um, but we're, 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 we have a long way to go, but we've, we've, we've come a long way as well. We've come a long way with our toughness, our execution. Uh, we've come together as a football team. Uh, our effort is much better than what it was. Our complaining is much lower than what it was. And the bottom line, I told them after practice today that, look, uh, We're going to end up having X number of guys that we're taking on the road or we're having at home, and whether it be from uh, injury or whether it be from uh, COVID situation or whether it be from something personal happened to somebody in their life and we don't have them, we're going to go play somebody. And uh, I, I think we are starting to have that mentality of, look, we got enough to go out there and compete. Let's go out there and compete. And and I'm, I'm proud of that. There wasn't any that, woe is me. Uh, I'm not getting enough reps. I'm, you know, that, that's just a losing mentality. And we, I did not see that today. Even when the offense was getting beat up, it wasn't that way. Sam, you know, so, some coaching staffs,
8: they kind of divide up special teams, these, some have a coordinator, you have a coordinator. Um, what was it about, uh, I guess, uh, Coach Founder made you decide to bring him with you? What kind of job do you think he's doing? And what's your philosophy on special teams as far as, you know, uh, emphasis?
5: Well, first of all, I think Scott Fountain is as good a coordinator as there is in America, and I really do. I mean, I do. He was the first guy I offered a job to. Uh, second of it all, I mean, you can lose or win games strictly. can be even, even if your special team's are better than theirs. You can win it, and I believe that. And I, I, and I believe that if you don't have a coordinator in charge of it, then why would you have an offensive coordinator? Just to let four guys go out there and figure out who's calling the plays. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, our, our kids need to understand how important it is, and to me, the only way you can put that down is – if you've got a coordinator, you know, Scott's assistant head coach. I think a lot of him, but I also feel like uh, he's very important. Our guys are buying in our kids. Now they work in special teams and um, I feel like we've got good punters and kickers and good returners. And I've been very pleased with Scott and more importantly, I've been really pleased with the effort of our kids.
6: All right, Shane. So it sounds like, Pretty frustrated here with the deep, or excuse me, the uh, quarterback and and all that goes on there in Fayetteville on the offensive side of the ball. But that tells me that old uh, Barry Odom he had some nice adjustments there <laughs> to what Kendall Browse was doing to him. You know what?
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but that's frustrating. That's frustrating when you have a lot of turnovers, whether it be fumbles or interceptions. So, mm-hmm. and it could be a lot of things. And, and Coach Pittman, I bet it had a lot to do with that offensive line. You know, he seemed pretty upset, and he loves him hogs up front. And if him, <laughs> you know, if quarterbacks don't have time to throw the ball, they're going to make bad decisions. So, um, I wasn't there. I can't judge, but I could tell coaches cause coach was a little upset about today's uh or about uh, the other day's scrimmage.
6: Mhm. But I also think that's just part of the process, you know it, where you know he's trying to get his program off the ground and getting it where he wants it to be and uh, this is kind of what we're talking about, you know, all off season when they lost spring, it was really going to hurt teams like Arkansas with so much turnover. So I think we're starting to see that bubble to the surface a little bit would have been nice to work out some of these kinks in the spring, but we are where we are. And I I did really appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, he s- says that they're seeing a lot less, you know, kind of like complaining from the players and everything, because even they are going through their first camp with Pittman, as coach and all these new coordinators and everything. So there's even an adjustment period for them, but hell, I'd rather, you know, this is something also we've talked about Sam Pittman. He ain't, one for coach speak. I mean, no, if, if Arkansas one. didn't have a good day, particularly the offense, he's gonna—he'll tell you. Yeah. He just come out there and tell you, and I, that's probably what they need to hear right now. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it,
7: man. You know, you, you, you I don't know. You can't be a sunshine pumper all the time, right? And sometimes, sometimes you got to just be brutally honest, not only with not only with the uh, the players, but the fans. And I think that's. What Coach Morris got in trouble with a lot last year is he, you know, the, he set the expectations pretty high. Everybody thought that this is going to be uh, last year was going to be the year, and uh, they didn't get that. And I, I think that's what Sam just wants to be brutally honest, be up front. Hey, this is we're building something here. We're not there just yet, but we're improving every day. And when we don't, when we have. You know turnovers or interceptions or something like that. That's something we can learn from, and I think that's I think that's the kind of uh, message he's sending out. And I love that because Coach Pittman, man, say what you want, the the players love him. He is a players' coach, and and maybe that's why because he doesn't bullshit them. He
6: tells them straight up how it is. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's skip it on down next to Columbia, Missouri. Emma- where the Tigers had themselves a scrimmage, too. And here we got Eli Drinkwitz asked about the quarterbacks. I thought he was going to reveal the starter here, Shane. I don't know. He, he kind of yeah, teased but... me on this one. But he talks about the progress of his Missouri offense in the second scrimmage. And then uh, classic Eli here he says he's uh, felt like old Tom Hanks from Castaway.
5: <laughs> you know, yesterday you mentioned that you needed to see a lot more from your offense. Did you notice any big differences in your offense from the first scrimmage to the scrimmage today,
2: yeah, we got a couple of first downs, which was a huge positive, and we scored a couple of touchdowns, which again was a huge positive. Um, I thought I thought our guys did a nice job staying in front of the chains and staying out of negative plays, which is has been an issue for us in all the move the ball situations. And today, we just didn't have those, and allowed us to function and call some manageable third downs. Um, I thought our wideouts did as good a job as they've done. Uh, making contested catches and winning versus some man-to-man situations. I thought our quarterbacks did a nice job of recognizing man zone coverage and uh, finding the, finding their answers in the progression. It, it, it honestly, it was it was uh, it was refreshing. It, it it reminded me that we can still coach a little bit around here, to be honest. So it was good to see that offensively. Consequently, defensively, we got to do a better job of stopping guys on third downs and not uh, you know getting them behind the sticks on first downs.
6: Eli, I know you're not sharing quarterback plans, but what have you seen from those guys just as far as their development and the more they get acclimated to this, your offense?
2: Yeah, you want me to name a starter right now?
6: (laughs) If you want to, sure.
2: I'm not going to, though. All right. Uh, I thought they did a nice job of, again, continuing to grow. Um, You know, this is the first time they're going through some of these past concepts and, and now today you could tell was the first time they felt comfortable calling the reps, knowing the answers. Okay, man, I'm going here zone. I'm going here. Uh, it's progression. I'm working through all of this. This is, this is the look I want this play. And, and so they're growing. Um, you know, a couple of them made some plays scrambling today, which was really nice. That's an, an added dimension uh, that you always got to have is your ability to escape. And when everybody's covered, you're not, which uh, is big for us. And so I, I think they did a nice job. I don't have the stats in front of me, but uh, they didn't throw an interception, which was nice, uh, which is the first time we've done that uh, in, in a couple of days. So that was positive.
6: Hey, Elon, uh, we're three weeks away from kickoff. I'm just curious, does, does it feel like that crept up on you or, or does that still seem like, you know, pretty far away?
2: Crept up? No, no, we're supposed to have played today, man. It seems like it's like, Feel like I'm on the movie. Uh, what's that? What's that movie with uh, Tom Hanks in it? And he was on the island. And he can't get off. He keeps yes. trying. Castaway. I feel like Castaway. We can't. We can't quite get to that game yet. Every time I think we're close, the waves throw me back on the beach. So no. I mean, not not, not creeping up on anybody.
6: All right, Shane. So there you have it from Coach Drinkowitz. It certainly sounds like uh, you know the offense is getting a little bit better there, and that's. You know, again, it's it's similar to you know, the Arkansas where one side of the ball struggles one scrimmage, then they bounce back the next. That that's what you're just gonna see under these first year head coaches. Uh but uh I thought this was at least a pretty entertaining here interview here from Coach Strinkowitz. Well, I was trying to
7: figure out the movie, you know, and he was like, you know, the Tom Hanks movie and I was like, Well, that doesn't really narrow it down, man. <laughs> you're gonna have to <laughs> give me something else. <laughs> Big? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so, uh, castaway, I get that, and, and I feel that. i that, That's a perfect analogy. We 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 built this raft. We see it; it's ready to go, and we're getting there. And then they keep pushing it back. Those waves get big. That makes sense to me, Mike. But I feel like there's a clearing up ahead. I think Coach knows it too, and, and of course, I love how he plays coy with the quarterback situation. That's that's perfect. If you're going to do coach speech, be fun at it. Don't just be, you know, predictable <laughs> and usual. So, Eli is still bringing out the Hawaiian shirt attitude and I love it.
6: Yeah, and even at the beginning of this presser, hell, maybe I'll just throw in the clips here, but he's asking the media guys, you know, because these are all over Zoom so that you can do it from wherever. He's asking them, "What bar are you at?" or "You at the, you at the beach? What you drinking?" He's asking them what beers they're drinking and everything. So, he <laughs> hobby <yeah, I> mean, <laughs> All right, last stop around the league here, Shay. Let's jump to the other Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina, where Will Muschamp recapped uh, the Gamecock scrimmage here. And, of course, the big question, who's going to be the starting quarterback, Colin Hill, Ryan Halinski, Will Muschamp, uh, uh, he gets into that a little bit. They're still not ready to make a decision, but I thought these comments were pretty interesting uh, on his concerns. Looking ahead to the start of the season, And then um, the identity of the offense, what that's going to be Mm -hmm. like. And then I thought this was a really good question on the next scrimmage being the third one and if that's kind of be like the NFL third preseason game for for people that don't follow the NFL preseason. I mean, the first one's a joke. The fourth Mm -hmm. one's a joke. And it's that third one where you really define who your starters are. So that's kind of what uh, Will Muschamp said is going to be the case for his camp here.
4: Hey, Will, thanks for doing this.
6: Uh, have you picked a starting quarterback? No, Mike and I met today.
8: Uh, you know, you look at last week, Ryan was the player of the day for us offensively, did an outstanding job. Uh, you know, we, we had some discussion about uh, player of the day offensively, and Colin was uh, Saturday. I mean, did a really nice job. Uh, so, again, we, we got a great battle going on. It's making each other better, making our football team better. Uh, and we'll, we're going to let it go, go again this week and, and make a decision hopefully next week.
7: Well, since we don't have an opportunity to be able to see you guys practice at all, I mean, what can you tell about uh, what can you tell us about Colin and what he brings to that quarterback position? And then also, what have you seen from Ryan being able to grow
2: from year one to year two?
8: Oh, I've seen a lot of growth with Ryan uh, from a standpoint of you know asking him to do some different things, uh, from being under center at times, uh, doing some different things on the line of scrimmage. Mike puts a lot on the quarterback. As far as protections are concerned, as far as the run game is concerned. And I've seen tremendous improvement from Ryan. There's no doubt about that. Colin, to me, brings an element of toughness uh, because of what he's been through. He's got some mental toughness about him. I think that's very well respected through our football team. Uh, You know, obviously, we've talked about his arm talent, and he's got, uh, you know, he's got a really good arm talent, as does Ryan. You know, they both throw the ball extremely well. But I think, you know, obviously, you know, Colin's uh, understanding of the system. Uh, because he's been in it for now for three years, uh, shows up a lot in as far as his experience is concerned.
5: Uh, hey, Will. Um, I think it was on your call and show you mentioned uh, Ryan having uh, produced a number of explosive plays back in the first scrimmage. Uh, was that something that continued into this scrimmage, and, and what about his game has sort of a, allowed him to produce those in these situations?
8: Well Again, Mike does a really good job of creating one-on-one matchups down the field. And, um, and Ryan made nice throws I mean, at, the, at the end of the day. And then you got to have some guys from the receiver position, which we have had, that have made nice, nice plays in 50-50 balls and been able to go in and win the battles the, on the 50-50 balls. So that's where a lot of those have showed up. We did have a busted coverage, I want to say, two weeks ago we didn't take the wheel route uh, from the backfield. Uh, but, it, again, you got to be able to throw and catch, and we were able to do in that situation, which created one of the explosives.
1: Well, um, I know this this whole training camp is spread
7: out a little bit more in comparison to years past. Is it common for you guys, number one, to have a third
6: scrimmage?
8: Well, we will. You know, again, we haven't talked in terms of how that will be structured. I don't know that we're going to go 160 live scrimmage snaps again. Uh, we do need to get on and have some sustained drives on both sides of the ball in offense and defense so our guys can get used to playing an 8, 10, 12 play drive and sustaining through that. Um, but but we'll, we'll look at Saturday uh, probably after Wednesday's practice to see the things that we feel like and I feel like that we need to work on um, in all three phases. So uh, there will be some scrimmage snaps, um, you know, uh, on Saturday. To how much, I don't know.
1: Yeah, the reason I asked that, and it seems like you kind of answered it, but it seems like you're going to figure out uh, in terms of what players might play on Saturday. It might be one of those things kind of like a, I don't know, a fourth, uh, preseason game for the NFL, if you had to try to make a comparison?
8: Well, I think that would be correct. I do think that there are some things that we know, um, you know, as a team right now that we really need to work on, and that may not uh, project to be in a scrimmage format. Uh, some different things situationally that we need to look at before we start our preparation for our first game. Uh, so we'll continue to, to work through those things this week and then and then see how we structure Saturday. But I was pleased with what we were able to accomplish Saturday night two scrimmages, is there any phase of the game right now that you may have concerns about or may not be exactly where you'd want it to be? Well, I think protection-wise, and again, I think a little bit it was because of some third-down situations that we were in, that you know our quarterbacks aren't live, uh, but we, we had gotten the quarterback hit a couple times Saturday, uh, so that's concerning. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, we need to get Ernest Jones back on the field at linebacker. Or that That position concerns you. Um, he has been uh, working out with his pads. We've been moving him around. He's had no contact. He will start back on the 10th, which I believe is Thursday, uh, as far as full-time practice with us is concerned. Uh, so he has been moving around. We do think he's in decent shape. Uh, we need to do that, but there's some obvious concerns there. Um, so, again, those would be the two uh, things that kind of jumped out. You know, I thought we improved our run defense uh, in some spots on Saturday as opposed to our first scrimmage. Uh, You're always nervous with a a new specialist, you know, Kai's a freshman, although he's punted well since he's been here. Uh, There's some concerns, but yeah, I I would say there's concerns across the board. Those are the ones that I'm just off the top of my head from watching Saturday's scrimmage that concern me.
2: Yeah, well, I guess, Mike talked in one of his availabilities about figuring out what you're going to kind of major in offensively, what kind of the bread and butter it's going to be. Are you any closer to kind of figuring out that identity? And and if so, where do you kind of see it falling right now? Well,
8: I I think, you know, looking at personnel groupings is still uh, working itself out uh, at the receiver position, at the tight end position. Uh, You know, Adam Prentice is going to be a really good fullback for us. There'll be some traditional two back, which he also – uh, can play in a wing situation like you would see as a tight end uh, would be concerned. Uh, but trying to, you know, get the right reps for these tight ends is going to be critical through this next week as we continue to evolve and, and look at that. And I think that uh, at the receiver position, the same, same manner. So we have narrowed some things down, but I would note, say that we've made some huge, uh, you know, answers right now as far as what we're doing. I think he feels good. Uh, you know, coming out of last night with the receiver position, something we talked about today. We've got to continue to, it's hard sometimes calling when you're installing an offense or a defense, and you're trying to install base concepts within what you do and knowing that you're not going to ask a player to do this on this play or this in this defense. But in order to install the concept, you got to get it installed, but you're sitting there going, yeah, I'm never going to put this guy in this situation. If that makes sense, what I'm trying to say, but we got to get things installed and get it exposed to the players uh, because it may be something from an offensive line standpoint that we, we must work on. Uh, but maybe we're gonna have, not gonna ever ask this tight end to do, you know, what we would be asking him to do in a scrimmage situation, and that's where it's tough sometimes because you you get yourself in a really bad matchup either on offense or defense based on trying to just to get a look at the play to get a look at the defense. And it's really from a coordinator standpoint or a head coach's standpoint. You're just trying to get a look at the player, you're getting a look at the defense, and you're just trying to get it repped and and to expose it to nine other guys, knowing that there's two guys that are not going to be in that position, come September 26 or shouldn't be. So again, I, I think that we're still working through that a little
6: bit. All right, Shane. So it's Colin Hill, mm-hmm. the best player from this most recent scrimmage. Ryan Holinski, the best player from the first scrimmage, according to Muschamp. It sounds like we got ourselves a, a real battle here. And uh, if, if anybody missed it, Mike Uwe, who works for uh, the Columbia, I think it's ABC affiliate down there, says he's here. And Colin Hill has got the lead right now, probably going to be named the starter at least heading into the season. So, I mean, it sounds like this thing is real neck and neck, but I could still see it going either way based on how these quarterbacks perform in this third scrimmage yeah what do
7: you think man well i mean just if you had to make a bet right now who takes that first snap who you who you lean toward
4: i
6: guess i would go with colin hill as well and see how okay. he performs mm-hmm. because i think it makes a lot more sense to go with the guy that fully understands the system yeah because i'm a little afraid that Here at South Carolina, we all know Marshawn Lloyd going down. So we're down our star running back. I don't know how many weapons we got at receiver. I just don't know how good this offense is going to be out the gate if the guy leading it does not have a full command of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas if we're struggling, you know, maybe we can't push the ball down the field or or maybe these throws aren't getting made for whatever reason – hey, let's throw in the kid that's got the talent, and he may not mm-hmm. be 100% locked in with where everybody needs to be and and, and everything, which, I mean, that's still mm-hmm. a huge issue. But, hell, if a play breaks down, we know he can just gun it down the field. Right. So I think Halinski, I think he's still going to play this year. I think he's I, – I would kind of be surprised if Halinski doesn't take more snaps than Hill – The entire season, but I still think Hill's going to be the opening day guy. If that makes sense. Mm. Well, hopefully they flip halfway through because they're not doing that good. You know, that's what
7: I'm hoping happens week one (laughs) (laughs) because I'm already getting hate online, Mike. Uh, I'm starting to get a couple of them getting on to me talking about them gamecocks. So uh, I think that I think that's going to be a fantastic ball game and. You talk about get thrown in the fire. Um, you know, whether it be Hill or Holinsky, either one. Uh, that you know, that's not a that's not an easy defense that uh, that they'll be going against Week One. So, right. but what is key is, and what's extremely valuable, something we've talked about, are these snaps, Mike. You, you cannot afford to waste snaps, uh, especially here going into this, especially with the, the chemistry with the receivers and this new, I mean, there's so much newness uh, with with uh, South Carolina that they just can't afford to waste anything. And so whoever it is, uh, I hope they go with them sooner than later. And, uh, you know, don't, like I said, don't waste those valuable snaps. Because when you got a one out there, uh, they're go- typically they're going against the third defense. So you, when, you, when you come in with the twos, then you're going against the fourth or the, the freshman. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just it, it's not fair because, yeah, the, you, you may be running with the twos, and, and, man, he looks good. But the competition isn't as extreme as it was for the one. So I don't know. It, we're in crush time. And I hate, I hate when we start flip-flopping quarterbacks here this close. I, I, I wish they'd go ahead and start. I'm sure they're going to name
6: somebody this week. Now let me ask you this: As the Tennessee Homer, yeah, which quarterback do you want to see if you're facing these two? So maybe uh, whoever your answer is, you're hoping is the wrong selection. (laughs) (laughs) If that Um, makes sense, which maybe maybe maybe, let me phrase it like this: Which quarterback scares you the most, Week One? Holanski. Mm-hmm. And I just think he's a, I think
7: he's a better athlete. And the thing about Hill is, yeah, he may know that system and he may know Mike Bobo, everything, you know. But it's different when you're strapped in and playing an SEC football game. So right. um, I don't know. I, I think, I, I think the element of surprise won't be there. Not saying that Hill didn't do some, you know, loud conference games last year and have to go on the road and just be in an sec environment and it may help him the fact that it's limited capacity with the fans but i don't know just the newness of it all i think would i mean helinski went to georgia and won so he's it's not going to be the stage will never be too big for him now did the games go exactly like he had wanted last year no uh, but again, he was dealing with health issues and, and, uh, so no, I, I hope I, I'm kind of leaning more toward heel and just because of the newness of the sec play.
6: Hmm. Okay. Well, no, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. Hmm. No, because guys, guys are
7: bigger. Guys are faster in the sec, including Tennessee. Yeah. I'm I'm not trying to be a homer, but You know, you look at some of the teams that that Hill had to go against last year, I guarantee he's not going to see
6: anything like he's going to see this year in the next 10 games. Right. I'm pretty surprised we hear a lot of these people saying Hill's got this NFL arm and, you know, Mm -hmm. he looks the part and everything when, you know, I know he was suffered several injuries at Colorado State, so maybe it's not completely fair to judge him on that. But, yeah, based on what I've seen, I mean, I – still think halinski has got a lot more talent. So, But mm-hmm. talent's not everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we've seen plenty of quarterbacks coming to the SEC. Like, you know, like, look at Connor Shaw. I mean, I know he did not make <laughs> it in the NFL a little bit, but, I mean, we're talking an all-timer at South Carolina. Yeah. And I don't think you'd necessarily say he's your prototypical quarterback, but he's probably the number one quarterback in that school history. So you just never know how yeah. that, that's going to work out.
7: You know who scares me the most? If I'm being 100% completely honest, what quarterback on that team scares me the most? Who do you think it is? Luke Doty. Hell yeah, man! <laughs> I just you know what Tennessee does? You bring somebody like Doty, and and that's the thing. Muschamp ain't no dummy either. If he brings him in and gets some sort of spark against Tennessee, and next thing you know, Doty's going 10-15. He's looking like Plumtree out there. You know that he's going to keep him out there. And mm-hmm. here we game script for Helensky and and Hill. You talking about just flipping the script when you bring Doty in. That's, that's what worries me the most is the amount of time and preparation that we've put in for these two quarterbacks. And then it's the third one that comes in there with the 4-4 four, four speed just jetting it down the sidelines. So, yeah, that's the one that worries me the most. Because he will be in there. He will be. In oh that. yeah, <laughs> he'll be in oh. that wild cock formation.
6: <laughs> oh, he's gonna be all over that bad boy. You know, there's no doubt yeah. about it. I mean, uh, we talk about these Tennessee, South Carolina games, how crazy they are. I think um, you know, there's been talk of Kentucky, Auburn, and the yeah. the CBS game, Mississippi State, LSU. You know, those could certainly all be good games, but. Just got a feeling this Tennessee-South Carolina one's going to be the wildest one. So who knows how it's going to play out. I
7: do, too. And and a lot of it mainly because it happens so early. It's the first game. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, You know, you got to even factor in Coach Rocker over there. He knows just about every damn secret we have. Don't Mm -hmm. think he hasn't told Muschamp exactly what's (laughs) going to be happening. So. There's, there's just, I don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty with that game. I'm really nervous, but um, I think we're going to be that way with every SEC game this year.
6: All right, Shane. So we went a little bit long, but uh, we took mm-hmm. the the Labor Day off. Wanted to give everybody. We knew people weren't going to be. Most people, Shane and I both had to work, but most people have it off. So we figured give you guys uh, something to listen to on your way back to work here on Tuesday. So, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm just fired up to talk about it here. We're right under two weeks less than two weeks will be in game week shane i mean yeah. after all we've been been through this off season i i can't believe that uh you know it two weeks but it it's probably gonna feel like 20 years like i'm that excited for it i'm counting down the seconds you know what <laughs> that's right
7: yeah i just i just don't know if my liver's ready mike <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. If you, if you want to try something different, yeehaw, Dunkle, Dark Lager, uh, hit me hard. Okay, there was about first 15 minutes of this podcast, I was a little buzzed. Uh, I've kind of come back down to earth. I'm gonna get it out of a 10. I'm gonna give it a 6.7, Mike, on the uh, cousin Shane rank. So it was good. Not, not great uh i've got another yeehaw in here maybe this one will inspire me i should i probably shouldn't have went from light beers to like ultimate dark but that's where we're at so 6.7 sorry
6: phil that's where we're at <laughs> still love you yeah i'm gonna have to uh i'm gonna have to teach you a thing or two on on how to go up the ranking scale like that but i'm just proud of you that you're going that you're trying something new i mean that's just big
7: that's it, man. Just right before football. So, Mike, I'm I'm pumped up. Uh, I'm ready to get off here and watch this Navy game. I think that's going to be a hell of a matchup tonight. I, I love it. You know, SEC's still a couple weeks away, but we, we're going to have games at just about every day. So uh, I'm always on TV watching something, and uh, I'm ready to put my money on something else too. Do you want to bet on this game? Is it too late? Well, yeah, well people will have watched it already, you know. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Just know that I picked the right one. <laughs> 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 all right, Baby Shane. So that's... Short, it <laughs> came in all whites, man. It looks
6: sharp, so... Uh, that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for joining me, Shane. As always, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. And don't forget, if you made it this far, give us that five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. That really does help the show grow. Uh, but that's going to do it. Uh, I'll catch you guys all the next one.
7: Alright, see you guys, go balls. Yeah!